our good friend Scott Spritzer joins us now. What is going on, Patna? How you doing, TC? I'm good, man. I'm good. What do you know? Oh, man, just get ready for some of these uh, conference tournaments once we get the big boys playing in a couple more days. So that's basically what I'm doing, man, is just, just getting ready and getting some old tools of handicapping ready and sharpened for the upcoming tournaments. So let's talk about that because do you handicap I don't want to say differently, but I guess I'll use this term for maybe just our listeners and maybe for, for novice betters or whatever. But do you take a different approach or handicap differently come conference tournament time here at the end of the season? Yeah, I start looking more at like, I mean, it, it depends by the conference. It's like certain conferences, you see underdogs getting certain prices that are actually doing quite well as opposed to other conferences where, you know, the chalk, when it's big, I mean, there's a couple of different conferences where double-digit chalk, you know, is, is the way to go. Uh, the Atlantic Sun, for instance, which is already underway, is a, is, it's a conference where double-digit chalk and single-digit dogs reign supreme over the last several years. So I just kind of break it up by conference and look at rivalries within the conference, how they did during the course of the season. And, you know, you'll see people saying, maybe I want to take a team because they're in double revenge. Well, you know, if they got blown out in a couple of games, it's because they don't have what it takes to beat that other team a lot of times. But there's, you know, again, just certain conferences where certain priced dogs or favorites have done well. Uh, by weeks, uh, by games, I should say, mean a lot in these tournaments also. Uh, conference tourney chalk playing with the bye have been tough to go against over the last decade. Those teams went outright TC about about three and a half to one ratio, those teams went outright uh, in a cover around 54% of the time. So I know to people who are just starting to get into the wagering, uh, you know, game, uh, don't think 54% sounds too hot, but it's very good when you consider, you know, 52.3% is break even. You're winning money, obviously. So, and, and we saw right out of the box. I mean, you know, you look at a team like Liberty, they crushed uh, Bellarmine, and then they have Eastern Kentucky uh, today, but Liberty had to buy while Bellarmine, Bellarmine had to face North Florida the other day. And what do they do? They go out and they beat Bellarmine, the team that had to play by 20, lane 16. So just certain things that like that that I look at. I love to look at teams that are that had that first game buy in tournament action. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, uh, talking about, you know, playing a team for the third time or whatever. And a lot of people say, Oh, it's, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Again, you know, throw, throw that out the window. And I'll use an example of a game tonight that I actually like. And the WCC tournament at the Orleans gets underway. And, uh, you have Portland and San Diego tonight. And Portland has won and covered, uh, both of the games when they face San Diego this year. Portland is the better team. They're laying five, five and a half points, depending on, wh- on where you get it. Uh, they, they won the two games this year by five points earlier and then beat them by 19, um, just a, a week or so ago. So there's a situation there where Portland is just clearly the better team and you're only laying five points tonight. Yeah, and that's the thing also, like you mentioned, they beat them one game by 19. I mean, if you got a team in double revenge and they lost the first two meetings, you know, and one of them's in overtime, the other one's by three in regulation, that kind of stuff, I can see, you know, maybe jumping in, looking for that double revenge. But when you're talking about a team that was clearly clearly better than their opponent and won both of those games, it's a different story. And, you know, just look at the ratings. Um, you know, my ratings have Portland about 40 spots higher than San Diego and you know, I punched up Ken Palm while you were talking, and Ken Palm is one of the most respected, you know, power rating people in, in college basketball for many, many years now. Uh, he's got him about 50 spots ahead of San Diego. So you're talking about a, 
a pretty big difference between these two teams, and I certainly wouldn't go against you in that one. You know, the leading score for that Portland team, uh, a lot of fans, probably, uh, Rebel fans probably don't realize, that's Moses Wood, who spent time right. here at UNLV, and he found himself a home in Portland, and he actually has developed into a nice player. Now, would he be putting up the same numbers if he was in the Mountain West, or, you know, because he didn't get a whole bunch of time, you know, his year here at UNLV, but found a nice little home in Portland, and, and this guy's kind of the go-to guy for the Pilots. Yeah, I was watching, or not watching, but when I was handicapping this this game for tonight, I was looking back at like what he did against Pacific, and he just tore that team up. I mean, he had like you know, 26 points, and I think he had uh, he was like 50% from the three-point line. He made like 6 of 12. He's not going 2 for 4. He's out there shooting, and he's making them. But, uh, and he does a good job on, on the boards, too. So we've seen good things out of Moses Wood. I think it's one of those situations where he made a very wise choice. He went to a conference that outside of maybe two or three teams, he could really make some noise against. And I, again, like you, I, I don't know that he'd be doing the same thing uh, here in the Mountain West. But, you know, after watching the Rebels last night, uh, they could sure use him. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, I was there last night, Scott. And uh, Utah State uh, uh, just just put it to the Rebels again. And this Utah State team, as we get ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament next weekend here at the Thomas & Mack Center, you know, people want to talk about San Diego State and then Boise State and there's Utah State number, you know, basically in the third spot there. This Utah State team is very good. They're very experienced and, you know, they've got about four or five guys that can score. And if you have not seen the point guard for Utah State, uh, Ains, uh, Ashworth, uh, this guy, in my opinion, is the best point guard in the Mountain West Conference, and it's not even close. And, you know, the Mountain West Conference, you know, you know, San Diego State has got some bigs. Mountain West has always been, you know, uh, known for their, like, swing guards. You know, they're, they're two guards or they're small forwards, okay? But when you look at this point guard, you're going to look at this guy and you're going to say, well, who is this guy? He's, he's about 6'1", maybe 6'2", on a good day, but can shoot it from everywhere, a great distributor. Uh, but so he goes, so the Aggies go. But here's the difference between Utah State and UNLV, and it was on display last night, is that UNLV has got some pretty good athletes, but they just have not been together. And programs like Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, these teams have been playing together now. I mean, they haven't really hit the transfer portal big time the way UNLV and some of these other schools, you know, like San Jose State have. And I think that's the difference. And that was on full display last night, the way Utah State shares the ball, the way they play with each other, and they just know each other so well. So I'm looking forward to the semifinals and on when we get to the Mountain West. I'm a big fan of Odom, their head coach, uh, Ryan Odom. And, you know, this team's 23-7. and Here's the thing. Again, you know, I'm all about power ratings as we get into March more than any other portion of the season. And people know about Boise out here. They know that Boise's, you know, if, if they're into power ratings, they know that Boise's top 30. They know that San Diego State is top 20. I, I bet you a lot of people wouldn't know that Utah State is actually in that 20 to 25 range when it comes to power ratings on a national basis. That's how good they are. Uh, when they beat Boise State on Saturday night, they probably won't get a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of ink also, but the bottom line is, is they'll be able to put on display how good they are. Now I'm making a prediction there saying they're going to beat Boise State, but I think they're catching Boise off a big, big win for Boise State. Plus again, I'm like you, I'm like, I'm a Utah State fan. I think this is one of those teams that, you know, if they're able to get that bid 
which they should and they deserve, if they're able to get that bid, you don't want to play this team in the first round of Utah State. You mentioned Stephen Ashworth. I mean, it's like the the way he's improved his game over the last couple of years at Utah State, he's like a 45% three-point shooter. He's 51 or 52% uh, inside the arc as a two-point shooter. Those numbers are well ahead of where he was just a year ago. And if you look at his three years now, each year he's gained some ground on what he did the previous season. And so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Stephen Ashworth. He's going to be tough, man. He's going to be tough for anybody in the opening round if they get there to be able to defend. And if he can dish along with being able to get those shots that he creates a lot of times for himself, he's going to potentially carry this team to a first-round upset. I really believe that. This team is really flying under the radar. Maybe for betting purposes, we shouldn't talk about it anymore on your show. <laughs> right, right, I know. <laughs> I'm just going to add to it because, you know, there's, you know, with uh, this three point shooting team that they have there, you mentioned Ashworth about 45%. The team, Scott, shoots 40% from three. That's second in the country. Second in the country of the 355 Division One teams. And then when you look at uh, three-point field goals made, their 16th field goal percentage overall. You mentioned 20, 20 to 25 in power rating, but you know they're, they're 19th in the country in field goal uh, percentage. And this team averages 79 points a game. No, they're... They're a nice little hot secret, and I've ridden them quite a bit during the course of this year. And I remember, you know, going back a couple years ago, you know, when they, you know, beat San Diego State and, and they were the conference champion, you know, last year it was Boise State. I wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, they settled in that number three seed that they could win this thing, uh, uh, as well. I mean, I think it's, you know, you can make a case for Boise State, Utah State, uh, or San Diego State, but right. anyone outside of that, I'm not buying the, the UNR, uh, you know, team or, or anybody else, uh, uh, beyond that, but uh, I, I, you know, yeah. Rito's, Rito's not bad. But out of the teams you just mentioned, they got the fourth best coach: right. Utah State, San Diego State, Boise, and Nevada. They got the fourth best coach in that. And you know, I'm not the biggest Alfred fan. I got to admit, I think he's done a better job this year. I didn't expect them to do as well as they have. And uh, just jumping on board with that Utah State. Do you know there there's a there's a stat or a metric that's called adjusted efficiency and adjust for. Uh, you know, how they do offensively and defensively, but it, it, it adjusts for strength of schedule, all that kind of stuff. Utah State is 13th in the country in offensive adjusted efficiency. And you mentioned how well they shoot the three. They shoot a lot of threes. They're top 60 in the country when it comes to three point attempts per, you know, to field goal attempts ratio. And again, when you're hitting 40%, and you're taking about 42, 43% of all your shots from behind the three-point line, you are tough to defend. They hit 54% of their twos. They get to the free-throw line. They're top 60, 65 in free-throw attempts to field goal attempts ratio. And the thing is, they hit 77% of those free-throws. I mean, they're just sound. The, the one issue I think that they have, well, there's two issues. They don't force turnovers uh, too much. They're, they're near the bottom of college basketball in, in turnover percentage forced. And the other thing that they struggle a little bit with is their own deep perimeter defense. They can give up the three. But if you can't shoot the three, and this is something to match up when they get into whatever postseason tournament, hopefully the big dance, that you'll be able to look at when you're handicapping the game, look for teams that uh, have to shoot the two-pointer because they're not great deep perimeter teams because the Yaggies' weakness is deep perimeter defense behind the three-point line. But my gosh, they're like 25th in the nation in two-point percentage allowed. If teams can't shoot the three 
and they go up against the Aggies, I'll be back in Utah State. Mm-hmm. Scott Spritzer joins us, DocSports.com. Go to DocSports.com and uh, subscribe to uh, Scott's Plays. Scott, let's talk about some of the action uh, tonight here. Michigan, Illinois. Um, you know, Michigan uh, had that uh, big comfort behind victory against Wisconsin over the weekend. Uh, then, you know, Illinois has been sliding back a little bit. The Illini, a five-point favorite in, in Big Ten action. Uh, two-part question here. One, let's talk about this game, and then also talk about the final weekend of the regular season, not only of the Big Ten and some of these other conferences, but as they get ready for their conference tournaments. Is, is there some angles or some things that maybe we should look at here for teams that maybe, I don't want to say saving themselves, but you know, maybe can improve a seed or whatever into their conference tournament? Yeah, as far as like you mentioned about Michigan and Illinois, I was going to bet Illinois today and I held off because George, uh, Jaden Epps, uh, he, was, uh, he was basically listed as doubtful last night when I was doing my handicap at around 1 a.m. Pacific time. And, and I was going to jump in and I thought, no, I'm not going to do this with him being doubtful. And it, the more I read into it, it sounded like he wasn't going to play. And then during the day today, it was announced uh, that he's not going to be in the lineup for the Illini. So I unfortunately have to pass, but sometimes that's the way to go when you see injury, uh, injury information. And as far as Michigan is concerned, their biggest issue uh, as far as what was happening off the floor was whether Jet Howard was going to be able to play. Right. He was questionable yesterday. He's now listed as probable. So I think we'll see Jet Howard. So because of that, I don't want to bet Michigan here, but I don't want to lay the four and a half against him either with Illinois being a little bit banged up. Uh, and you talked about Michigan coming back against Whiskey, against the Badgers. Not a big Wisconsin fan this year. It's going to be interesting to see how they show up tonight against Purdue. Purdue in need of a bounce-back victory to get their stuff together before they get into the dance and, you know, seeing some action a little bit coming in on Wisconsin today. But I didn't want to jump in on Wisconsin, uh, getting only four or now three and a half in this particular spot. But as far as your other question about looking at the weekend, you know, I, I do tend to look at, you know, senior nights, things like that. I still look at spots as I do throughout the, uh, the, the regular season. Like, for instance, I mentioned Utah, Utah State, Boise. It's senior night for Utah State. Boise's off that big, you know, rush the court by the fans victory over San Diego State where they outscored the Aztecs 14 nothing to win the game. I had Boise the other night, TC, and I'm sitting there, and I, I was texting back and, forth, back and forth with our friend Dave Koken, and at the time I had one earlier in the night, and I said, well, it looks like one and one. I go to college, I, you know, and I go, I'm not going to get there with my second play. And about a half hour goes by, and he goes, did you see the end of the Boise game? And I go, no. And he goes, he goes they came back and they won. They outscored them 14 to nothing. <laughs> I had turned the game off. I gave up. They're down eight with like three minutes to go. You know, so I, I jumped in, and I went back to my – I record all these games, and I went back and I watched the final couple of minutes, and I'm thinking, boy, this looks like a good go-against spot, going against Boise playing on Utah State in senior night. So – that's what I look at as good spots combined with home team senior nights. And then I look at handicap those plays. And if the line is within, you know, where my power ratings say the line should be, then I've got to play. But, you know, don't, I, I tell people just, you know, don't get too crazy about the better team um, being on the road against, you know, a lesser team because that lesser team might have a senior night where they've got three or four players who have been playing together for a while. And, you know, they've got that extra motivation on that final night of the season. And you got to be aware of that.
No doubt. Uh, and I talked about this on Monday's show when uh, you talk about giving up on a game. I mean, I've, I've done that several times during the course of this year. And I had Iowa on Saturday. And I, again, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I'm in the car and I'm listening to the radio broadcast and the Iowa announcers are going, and they're filing out of Carver Hawkeye Arena. Very disappointed. <laughs> and it's like a minute 45 to go. And it's like, done. You're, you're down, you're down nine. You're down 11. Forget about it. It's over. And then I had no idea until I was watching the highlights like later on that night. I go, I gave up on this game. Are you kidding me? I, oh, I, 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 won, I won this game. How did I win this game? And then on the flip side, Scott, I had thought that I, I had won, uh, I had a money line play on Arizona against Arizona State. And then I thought I turned that one off because, you know, the Arizona was shooting free throws with two seconds to go, you know, to put them up by three or four points. Like, okay, well, that one's done. Forget about it. And then what happens? I see I got beat by a 52 foot shot. So you yeah. can't give up on these games. <laughs> No, you had a double-digit lead, by the way, with Arizona too. You know, in yes, the second half. Of exactly, that game. exactly. You know, I saw that too. I said, "Okay, good. I'll have my jalapeno pepper jack." I'm not watching it. I'm out. <laughs> it's a true story. Well, That's know, where I was at. For those who weren't following that game, the Sun Devils nailed 25 of 39, 64 percent two-point shots in that particular game, and they made nearly 40 percent of their threes. This is not a team that shoots that well. Yeah. And the Wildcats are fantastic on defense. They're like. 30th in college basketball defending the two-pointer, and then they fell apart uh, down the stretch. You mentioned that uh, that game with uh, Michigan State and Iowa last week. That I think I was now just the fourth team in college basketball history, just adding to your woes here, fourth team in college basketball history to come back from 11 points or more down in the final minute and win a game. They sent it to overtime. They went it in OT. But that's the thing about, you know, what's funny about that is like, I didn't have that particular game, but that presented again, like I like to talk about these all the time, a spot play on Michigan State at Nebraska the other night where the Huskers had won, you know, four or five in a row and like six of seven and Big Ten play, been playing their best Big Ten basketball in a few years. And Michigan State goes in there as a, as a favorite off a horrible loss, played Michigan State. They stunk it up in the first half, got the crap together at halftime and then blew out the Huskers in the second half. I love those kind of spot plays and that's a lot of what I do over the course of the second half of the season. No doubt about it. Yeah, you're right. Um, when you look, speaking of the Pac-12 tonight, we've got a couple games. Uh, Arizona State, you know, coming off that uh, buzzer beater uh, against um, uh, Arizona over the weekend. Now they're going to UCLA. UCLA's laying 11. Uh, UCLA, it was a great spot to, to go against them on Sunday against Colorado. Uh, UCLA came back and won the game but did not cover. Now they're at home. Arizona State's pretty fired up here. Arizona State's been playing some pretty good basketball. Do you think the number's a little bit too high here? Is this a, a, a dog play? Or with the theory that you and I were both talking about, is this a spot where maybe they lay an egg tonight against the Bruins? Yeah, I lean towards the Bruins of this one. And, you know, not that it matters in this particular game, but I've got UCLA on a futures ticket to win the whole ball of wax this year. So, you know, and Cronin just keeps this team focused. What a fantastic basketball coach. He just, I mean, they hit the lottery when they got Cronin to be their head coach. He just keeps them focused. Got great talent, obviously, uh, to coach. But when you look at Arizona State, it is basically a tough spot for them. They just beat their rivals. You know, again, they were down by you know, more than 10 points. It was double digits with less than seven minutes to go in the game against Arizona. And they finished with that one point win. And I mentioned how well they shot, you know, 64%, two pointers, 40%, three pointers. Well, how about this? Arizona state is 235th in the country from inside the three point line, 235th. 
in two-point shooting, and they're like 310th in three-point shooting. I mean, they played above their heads, over their, you know, what do they always say, you know, above their skis and everything else yep. against Arizona the other night and got that huge win against their chief rival. And now they got to go up against a UCLA team that, to me, is just about as good as you're going to see when it comes to college basketball defense. And I, I do believe they end up pulling away in this game. So it's a lean right now. I've been kind of tempted to, to lay the points, actually, because I thought it would stay a little bit higher than it is. It has come down. Uh, just a little bit, or it did from last night at one point. Uh, but I might jump in here. I'm not sure yet, but if I do, it'll definitely be on UCLA. All right, sticking in the uh, Pac-12, we got USC against Zona. Zona coming off the embarrassing uh, lost Arizona State on their home floor. Now they go to USC. Y- USC, I don't think it's a good matchup for SC against Arizona. I'm looking at Arizona as a bounce back. What do you think? Yeah, I- I'm with you. You know, it's it's two. Uh, almost a case. I don't want to jinx us here if you're on it, but almost a case of I'm not yet. The game I'm not yet, but I'm going to be after the show probably, unless you, you talk go. me off of it. No, I'm going <laughs> to talk you off of it. I'm going to either talk you into a winner or a loser here with the Wildcats. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that you know they're only laying two of this one, which is good. It's, I think it's fair if you like Arizona. I understand why the line is there. I I power rate this as a four, and two points off on a low line like this on a close line is pretty big for me. But, you know, we just mentioned what happened to Arizona the other night in the final seven minutes, up double digits, and all of a sudden they can't stop anybody. And it was also a case of Arizona State couldn't miss. I mean, they were closing their eyes, turning their backs to the basket, flipping it over the shoulder. It was going in from 30 feet away. It was just one of those nights. Uh, but the bottom line is, as I mentioned, they're top 30 in defending the two-pointer. They only give up 46%. So the other night was a bit of an anomaly I think they return to form here. They're going to be fired up. Arizona's offense ought to also continue their strong ways. They're 56% from inside the arc this season, talking about the Wildcats. And UCLA has struggled badly against the spread at home against elite shooting teams under infield. And that's what Arizona is. They're an elite shooting basketball team with a ton of talent. So I decided that anything less than four, I was going to jump in on Arizona tonight. All right. You and I are on the, on the same page, which we are a, a lot of the time. So, and yeah. I, li- I like that. That feel that feels good. All right. Any of the other uh, conference tournaments that you're looking at that maybe, you know, y- you don't during the course of, of the season, whether that's, uh, you know, again, the horizon, the a sun, the colonial, anything of that nature here. Uh, what are you looking at here? Missouri Valley yeah, is always a popular one, as you know, and that's uh, right. kind of your, your neck of the woods. And that's uh, another early tournament that I've always, you know, kind of been intrigued with as well, too. There's a game coming up in about a half hour in the Mo Valley tournament uh, that I decided to play the under, and that's the game between uh, Valparaiso and Murray State. And, you know, I don't play as much Mo Valley as I used to when Wichita State and Creighton was in the conference. Yeah. I was much more involved uh, in the Mo Valley, but. This particular matchup, I, I was a little surprised that it opened where it did, and it, it's still high. I mean, it was like some books open at 144. Right now, it's basically 141 and a half, couple of 141s, but it opened around 144. And I was reading an article on the game last night as I was handicapping, and they were saying, you know, hey, these teams went over 140 points in both of their matchups. One of them was 147, the other one 150 or whatever it happened to be. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess in this article, the person writing it, forgot or didn't know both of those games went to overtime and in both cases of those games the regulation points scored it was like 125 in one game and around 130 in the other and now this total sitting at 141 and a half and it came down about two or three points from the early openers yesterday offshore 
I still think, you know, 141 and a half, not a bad idea to take a shot at the under of that one, Valpo and Murray State. Yeah. And like I said, it goes at uh, 4 o'clock, Murray State, a one-point favorite, and right around 141 right now is the total. All right, Scott, are you doing much in the NBA? And what are you thinking here? I mean, with these games, I mean, we saw a hundred and what seventy six to one seventy five with the the Kings game a couple nights ago. I mean, we're seeing totals that are that are flying over. We're seeing individual performances. Uh, you know, guys not only scoring in the forties, the fifties, the sixties, but the seventies now. I mean, it's really out of control. I don't know if that factors into your handicapping or not, or you just figure, you know what, with load management and everything else, I'm just kind of staying away. And I know that you got to give uh, your clients you know, uh, NBA plays, but uh, just talk to us about how all of this, what I just mentioned, factors into your handicapping for the NBA. Yeah, it's it's a different handicap than, you know, this isn't our father's NBA, this isn't our NBA TC, and, and so it is tougher. I mean, I, I struggled the first, last year I had my best NBA year of my entire career, 30 plus years in the business, and this year I started out, I, I lost in November, I wasn't doing well in December, and then all of a sudden now in 2023, the first two months of the season, I've had a winning two months, and I'm very happy about that, obviously, but you got to really deal with a lot of stuff that goes on. You mentioned the 175 points, you know, earlier this week. I, I never in my life did I think I'd have an NBA team lay five points, score 175, and lose. You know, and that's what happened to me the other night. Um, we've had I, I had a game last night, and I tweeted this out uh, last night or this morning. I had Boston last night. They're up 18 in the fourth quarter. They're laying five. They ended up winning by four. You know, which was a bummer. That was a loss. But like I said on there, I've won several of those kind of games over the last couple of months, so I didn't want to whine too much about the Celtics blowing an 18-point lead, laying five and winning by four. You have to take a lot of that into, into your thought process on handicapping. I, I, really, I was doing a show yesterday, and I was talking about looking for home dogs getting more than four points in the NBA because load management doesn't always mean a player is going to sit out, but it does mean he's going to maybe always or also get less minutes when he does play. And if your team's up 15 to 20 points with eight minutes to go, he might sit down unless they really need him at the end if the other team comes back and gets close. So because of that, we're seeing some craziness when it comes to uh, home dogs getting more than four points in the NBA. If you play on those home dogs blindly, which, of course, we don't early in the season or ever, uh, but we see it start to pile up these records, if you played on those home dogs of getting more than four points through the end of February, you were 87 and 49, excuse me, 87 and 59 against the spread. That's, that's a darn good record. Now, I look at that, and I've been doing this for about six weeks now, where I look at those and I look for home dogs getting more than four. I don't blindly play them. But what I'll do a lot of times is I'll jump in and, and handicap those games first. And if I like that game or two on that card, uh, combined with that uh, record that I just mentioned, I'll jump in and play them. But, yeah, you're talking about 87 and 59 with a few pushes if you're taking those home dogs of more than four points. It hit 55% in February if you remove the Milwaukee Bucks from that list because the Bucks they were undefeated against the spread, laying more than four on the road in February. Everybody else, you were safe hitting 55%. All right, All right Scott, for those uh, football degenerates out there, and we got a few that are listening out there, <laughs> d- did you dive into the XFL, or are you, you going to give someone a play for this weekend? I, I really thought I was going to dive into the XFL and that I held off. And, you know, it's probably too late now because we're into week three in the books. I've had a chance 
to see what's going on, and they've been able to, you know, adjust lines for coaching mismatches, player mismatches. You know, the, the Vegas Vipers are out coached almost every time they play, and we talked about it last week, so I won't go too, uh, too deep into it. I'll look at them tonight, TC. I don't know that I'm going to jump in. I haven't yet. And again, now, I, as I, like, like I mentioned, we've kind of lost the value of good coaches against bad coaches and yeah. things of that nature. But just to give you a real quick note, I heard one major book made a whopping $350. Uh, in the, in the uh, XFL last weekend, so there you go. It shows you how little this league yeah. is, is really drawing people, even from a betting perspective. Oh, yeah, no doubt. All right, so, Scott, what, are you, uh, what would you bet first, uh, the XFL or Major League Baseball exhibition games? Oh, boy. I would probably bet the XFL before. I am not a Major League Baseball ex- exhibition better <laughs> at all whatsoever. I mean, I don't care who's pitching. They might last you know, two outs and then they're out of the game. So I just don't get involved at all. XFL, at least I'm tempted. Major League Baseball, no thank you in in exhibition season. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, brother. We'll uh, we'll let you go. We appreciate uh, the time as always. Great stuff. Good luck on your plays tonight and this weekend. And we look forward to talking with you more as the madness approaches. Sounds good, TC. Take care. There he is, DocSports.com. Go there for Scott's plays, DocSports.com. Scott handicaps it all. Fantastic as well. So go check him out. Subscribe to his plays there.